Listener Production. Microplastics. Whether or not you've heard about them, you've almost definitely got a few inside you. Your Tupperware containers, cups and drinking water all act as handy little microplastic delivery machines. Last year, a group of scientists found that 17 out of the 22 blood donors they tested had microplastics in their blood. But is this a bad thing? Well, that's harder to figure out. I'm Ellen Fidian, a science journalist with Cosmos magazine, and today we're going to talk about microplastics, what they are, how we find them, and what they might be doing to our world. Let's start simple. What is a microplastic and where do they come from? You probably guessed from the name that it's a small plastic, but how small? Generally speaking, microplastics are between 5 millimetres and 1 micrometre in size but some scientists use bigger or smaller boundaries. A micrometer is a thousandth of a millimetre. It's about the same size as one E. coli bacterium. Some microplastics come from rubbish, slowly breaking into pieces in the environment. But even before you chuck it out, you're generating microplastics. In fact, products are generating microplastics before you buy them. In industrial places, a lot of the pollution is things called nurdles. These are tiny plastic pellets which are melted down and shaped into the plastic items we see. Then, plastics get shed while products are being used. According to a study published three years ago in Scientific Reports, just ripping open a chip packet generates a little cloud of tiny, invisible plastics. And remember those super exfoliating soaps and cleansers with the tiny beads inside that were really popular about 15 years ago? Yeah, those beads are all plastic. The reason they're hard to buy now is that most countries, including Australia, told manufacturers to phase them out in the mid-2010s because they were clogging our waterways. A major source of these problematic particles is our clothing. Every time you wear a polyester or elastane garment, you're shedding tiny plastic fibres into the environment. Washing them pulls out even more plastic, as does using a tumble dryer. In fact, A group of researchers at Flinders University have just done a survey of Adelaide rivers and found that nearly three quarters of the microplastics they found were from textiles. Other studies in more industrialised areas have found lower amounts, but now we're stepping on another problem. How exactly do we detect all these plastics? The traditional way to find microplastics is just to eyeball them. Pick a square metre of sand or a litre of water and count all the little bits of plastic you can find but it's more efficient and reliable to use a net or a filter. You can pass a kilogram of soil or water through a net with millimetre-sized holes and sift through all the bits of debris that the net has caught. Water sampling can be even more reliable. Lots of rivers have sampling buckets that regularly take a small amount of the water flowing past them and store it for researchers to collect and examine. They pass the water through a bunch of filters looking for smaller and smaller particles. Eventually, the scientists need microscopes to even see the tiny, tiny fragments they're trying to count. At this point, how can you even be sure the thing you're seeing is a microplastic? It might just be a colourful grain of sand, or maybe it's only a degradable thread of cotton. This is when a trick called spectroscopy comes in handy, using light to identify molecules. When you shine certain types of light onto a substance, the molecules inside that substance are going to wiggle and send out very precise signals. So if you know all of the signals that plastic molecules are going to emit, you can figure out whether or not a fragment is plastic by putting it on a detector and firing a tiny beam of light onto it. You can even figure out what sort of plastic it is, whether it's polypropylene or polystyrene or so on. 
At the moment, this has to be done fragment by fragment using expensive spectroscopy machines. Each fragment takes at least a minute or two to identify, and we're often counting microplastics in the thousands. So that's several days of laborious work for just one sample. It's way harder than, say, checking CO2 levels, which is one of the reasons why it's so hard to judge how much microplastic there is. How much microplastic is there? Your blood isn't the only microplastic harbour. Microplastics have been detected all over the place, in remote Antarctic ice, on distant beaches, and, of course, in our waterways. They're even in the atmosphere, as they're often small enough to float around like dust. But while we've downed them pretty much everywhere, we don't have a great sense of the total amount of microplastic. Part of this is hugely varying standards. One group of researchers might be counting every plastic over 2 micrometres, while another group is only looking at stuff bigger than 200 micrometres. And that's when scientists have the time and money to count them. It's not a field that gets funding easily. What I can tell you is that we are talking millions of trillions of particles around the world. Gobsmackingly huge numbers. Because they're so hard to count, it's also hard to assess the damage that microplastics are doing. A bunch of studies on different animals and plants have shown that microplastics can hinder their growth or their breeding, particularly in marine life, where most research is focused. Because they take up stomach space and don't break down, microplastics can essentially starve animals to death. They can also do physical damage, just like bigger plastics, and they can harbour or release more dangerous chemicals. Nanoplastics, fragments even smaller than a micrometer, are small enough to get into brains and other parts of the body where they could cause real havoc. But, again, because we don't really have a good grasp on microplastic numbers, we don't have a good sense of what the overall effect of all this is. It's possible that, compared to all our other environmental challenges, microplastics aren't currently that big of a deal. Or maybe they're the most dangerous ocean killer. We won't know until we've got good standards for recording and reporting microplastics around the world. What we do know is that microplastics are increasing, as our millions of tonnes of plastic already in the oceans breaks down, and as we keep adding more plastic to the mix. So what can we do about it? Researchers are working on ways to clean up and break down some of the microplastics that are already in our environment. There are a few different types of bacteria which can eat plastic, so they might help. My favourite example is a group of Indonesian researchers who have figured out how to use sound to collect the plastics. They pass water through a pipe while using speakers to make the pipe vibrate, which concentrates microplastics in the centre and cleans the water. But realistically, the cheapest and most effective plan is to stop producing so much plastic. The less plastic getting made, the less we have to worry about. That means we should be using less, reusing when we can, and lobbying governments and businesses to regulate more. If you want to have a more direct impact, there's a citizen science project called OSMAP where you can carry out beach plastic surveys. It always helps to have more data. So that's the word on microplastics for now. For the latest in science news, don't forget to check out The Science Briefing, also available here on the Listener app. And head to cosmosmagazine.com for more science just like this. Otherwise, we'll be back again next time for another Huff Science Explained.